Hello and welcome to 20 Tim Minutes, a podcast that focuses on mental health in a serious but yet humorous way. Listen as I interview a wide variety of guests where we show our support as well as sharing our own personal struggles and stories with mental health. I am your host, Tim McCarthy, and now it's time to talk about it. Hey, what's going on, everybody? You're tuning into another episode of 20 Tim Minutes. Today, I'm extremely happy to have on my next guest. He doesn't really need any introduction, but he's an actor and has been in such films as Waiting, Employee of the Month, Good Luck Chuck, Simon Says, and many more. He's also a stand-up comic with many accolades. Today, we have on the legendary Dane Cook. Dane, how the hell are you? What's going on? Here we go. We finally made it. We finally made it. Yeah, we've been talking for a bit. And I can't thank you enough for taking the time to chat with me on this show. Oh, man, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me through. I, I like to ask this to all my guests. What does mental health mean to you? Oof, man, loaded question. <laughs> yeah. um, it's, it, I didn't realize until maybe I was 20 years into my life how much um, mental health, you know, health and wellness uh, meant to informing who I was leading up to that point. Uh, I, I, I was in a household that was permeating with um, personalities that could have used maybe a little bit more uh, knowledge and in, in education on how to get through some pretty rough dilemmas. So I'll just, I'll put it this way. Uh, it's, it's, I, I want my home to be a peaceful home. I want my home in the, the, the area that I invite people into to be a place of, uh, trust. Uh, I want it to be a place of that. Uh, when you leave my presence, my home, uh, I want you to feel resilience and I want you to feel a positive nature. Uh, and that's cause I grew up in the opposite. I love it. I love it. That is a loaded question, but there's no wrong answer for it. And I feel like with mental health, especially like I'm 36 and even as a younger kid, people didn't know how to deal with it. You're not much older than me. I can only imagine what it was like growing up. It's like, yeah, you just, just deal with it. Yeah, it was a different era. You know what I mean? The men of that era didn't have the, the tools to kind of verbalize, certainly from the region I grew up in. I grew up outside of Boston. Uh, you know, my dad was an Austin Brighton kid. If you know anything about that region, that area, that time, uh, you know, it was like you were you were built Ford tough and you didn't fucking show any other variables of uh, sensitivity. So uh, but it's not and it's not to say that wasn't in there because I'm sure that, um, you know, we could point out a lot of people that had that that tough exterior. But, you know, it. The truth has a way of manifesting its way through even the most hardcore of individuals. And my dad had a lot of love. And fortunately, I still saw a lot of uh, sensitivity and humanity, but they were just raised differently. So that kind of um, that 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 caused an environment that was definitely more friction filled than it needed to be. Right. So how was it? Grow you, you have all sisters, right? So how was it growing up like that? It was like, a, it was, I have one full sister. That's the way I describe it. My sister, Courtney, my younger sister is of my mom and dad's marriage. Um, so everything else is kind of Brady Bunch, um, you know, people coming in and out. But as far as like me as the older brother to my little sister, Courtney, uh, I just wanted to not only protect her, but encourage her with positivity. My mom, although phobic and, and fought a lot of demons in terms of, anxiety and phobias and, and panic attacks 
um, she was a very compassionate person, a very loving person, and a person who believed in people, even though she also knew that people could be really hard. She was not, you know, she, she made no bones about it. She could say straight up, her, one of her favorite quotes, people suck. So, you know, watch out, because if somebody's in that mode where they're, you know, they're not feeling very good about themselves, they might take it out on you. But the nucleus of who she was is very loving. Uh, it, it helped me to further my career because there was a lot of, um, she had a lot of passion for uh, goal obtaining and going for it in what she would call pipe dreams. So even though it was chaotic and we were in a bit of a spin, um, the eye of the storm was my mom and her love and her belief. I love it. And I know how it is. I'm a Quincy kid, Massachusetts. I feel like we are built yeah. a little bit harder than everybody else. And I hate being cliche like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, you know, if you, if you went back, you realize that like, all right, so maybe I, I didn't need to be a, maybe I didn't need to be a tank, but you know, maybe a few of those extra rivets could have been put to better use. Uh, but the reality is if you've got that as part of your, the dichotomy of who you are, but if you can take that and also pair that with um, empathy and introspection, then that's actually a person you want on your team. So I wouldn't change a thing. I just know that how I um, create a space is, you know, you don't want to force uh, everybody that's coming through your home, let's say, to live by your rules and regulations. That's how that era was. And now you have to be more about sitting down and talking about like, where are you at now? And what do you need? As opposed to just, it's, I rule the roost and you follow my lead because if anything, you're just, um, you're sometimes breaking somebody's spirit because maybe what lives inside of them is not of your father or of your mother. I love your positivity, sir. You've done countless interviews, so I don't want to bore you with the same questions. I feel like everyone listening is very familiar with your past and present. So let's jump on the comic side real quick. And I want to say yeah. real quick, I always knew what stand-up was, but Harmful If Swallowed is what really got me into comedy. My 17-year-old oh. self would be shit in his pants right now. <laughs> <laughs> and I, well, my well, my 17-year-old self was shit in his pants thinking in two years when I graduate, I'm going to go to an open mic night. I'm going to do it. So... Here we are. Look, we are now. And another quick story. I talked to you about this, but everyone else out there, I went to a Dane Cook show at the Comedy Connection, RIP. And I waited in line to meet Dane. And this girl, she was attractive or whatever. She cut the line to try to meet you. And you you will like hold up, get to the back of the line. And I was like, <laughs> Dane Cook is the boss. <laughs> so I appreciate yeah. you. I never got to thank you for that. Oh, um, no, no. It's, uh, you, you know, there was a, there was a, a, you know, a fun time during that breakthrough era where yeah people wanted to you know cut the line to get to know you and as a fan myself of so many great artists and especially musicians and comics i understood what it meant when you saw somebody else get privileges where it's like did they buy a gold tier package because yep. if not i'm next yep. <laughs> oh man so you always hear about people say comics are normally depressed, especially someone like Brody Stevens, who we lost, unfortunately, when he took his own yeah. life. How much do you think that is true with uh, most comics? Uh, I actually probably linger into the territory of like, that's most people. I think a lot of people have a lot of hardship. And I think that there's, uh, I, I've had an opportunity now to get to know a lot of people from different walks of life. And uh, even though the magnifying glass of what it means to be a comic and kind of fill the voids and, 
and how humor is a great deterrent from trauma. And there's a a lot of reasons somebody wants to be a comic and that stuff's in there. But I tend to feel like a lot of us are on that journey where we're trying to figure out really who am I and what, what fulfills me versus what do I think I should be doing or am I punching the clock just for the sake of um, meeting an expectation uh, that can bring a lot of sadness that can bring a lot of hardship in the, the comedy realm. Yes. There is a lot of standups that I've known that, um, you know, used the platform and used that occupation to probably circumvent some of that fear and trauma entirely. Um, but it's kind of curious, man, because I'm sure you, not only do you know this, but you're providing this incredible platform. There's more comics with more podcasts and more outlets to actually be talking about things like this. So I do think that the trend is changing where more comics, uh, I hope will stick around with us longer because we're not afraid, unlike that past generation to get to the heart of the matter and, sh and start sharing our individual truths. Did you know Brody? I did a lot of gigs with him. I didn't, uh, I didn't know him on a personal level, like hang out with him, but I hung out at work a lot with him. So yeah, we were like work friends. I, I watched him, you know, more times than I think he probably realizes because like most comics will tell you, it was just fun to, you know, see how he was going to wrangle a crowd and it was always different and it was already, it was always spirited and it was already like he, would go into those situations sometimes almost like he had a, maybe a, 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 a personal goal maybe that night that he wanted to accomplish. I don't know if that meant like, and again, I can't speak for Brody. I'm sure some of his closer inner circle would do a better job at articulating, but I, I as a fan looked at it like, does he want to cause aggravation tonight? Does he want to cause right? a love fest tonight. Like you could see him pushing different buttons on different nights. And it was uh, really fascinating. He was a fascinating performer and um, I'm privileged to have shared the stage with him many times. I love hearing stories about him. I, I like to resonate with him a little bit because I know he had bipolar and he's bald with a beard. And I was just like, the guy was the man. Uh, Jessica Michelle Singleton, actually, I don't know if you know her, another comic, she was talking about Brody. And I always like to hear what other comics have to say about him. So it's unfortunate. Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate that we lost somebody like that. Oh, absolutely. And it's, you know, obviously his, um, you know, his fans, you know, his family, the people that, um, you know, were in that inner circle. I mean, uh, that's always uh, to, to lose somebody incredibly gifted in your inner circle like that. Um, that silence is very, very loud once they're gone. You know, um, glad we have clips and conversations like this to chat about them. Yep, exactly. Thank you for t bringing that up and uh, talking about them. So yeah. this is this has always uh, boggled my mind a little bit. Not because it's uh, it's like meant to. It's like what am I looking for? Is like because everyone does it. You don't do drugs or drink at all. That's correct. That is true. I've never imbibed. That is a tip of the cap, sir. Um, how did you always avoid it? Like being in Hollywood. Uh, well, even well before that, it was like, you know, I came up in Boston with the generation before that was, uh, you know, the stories were like they got paid in Coke or they got paid in cash kind of thing. And it was like, um, even before that, though, my best friend in the world, his name's Al, uh, Al Bell Benny. And Al, um, 
we met in junior high school and then in high school he he drank he would drink before school he had a lot of anxiety and he was like my best bud and he would say things like um he'd be drunk being like you don't need this he was like encouraging me from within his um you know uh you wouldn't say illness at the time but he just knew that he needed that um i knew i didn't but i i think that he saw in me i was so kind of um you know, an introvert that would I use that to come out of my shell? Personally, I didn't want to have to use that. I was never interested in not feeling feelings. Um, and as I got a little bit older, I, it was like, honestly, it was not very difficult to look at that and just be like, that's just not me. Yeah, uh, It's not, it's not something I want to explore. I'm not, I'm not interested in that. What's the craziest thing someone offered you? Um, not really. I mean, people all the time would send drinks on stage or, you know, offer me, you know, weed or, you know, all the time, but, um, ne never anything hard, you know, I'm sure probably somebody somewhere along the way said, we're going to do some blow or whatever, but I, I barely even remember it. Yeah, no, I think kind of people, I don't know. I think I must've given off a attitude, uh, early in my life, but I guarantee there was probably somebody at some point at a meet and greet somewhere who just was like, you want to go behind the fucking thing and do a thing and a bump and a whatever the terminology was. And I was like, no, I'm good. I'm going to go drink my, uh, drink my water and maybe get a burger. Ooh, daring. Yeah. Very healthy. Does your positivity come from staying clean? You think like, what is your vice too? My positivity comes from, if I don't, then I will ruminate. And I will, unfortunately, as a person who, um, if you know anything about, you know, ruminating, you know, I, it's like if I, if I didn't condition myself to um, focus on the things that I'm grateful for and that, uh, you know, the opportunities that I've been afforded in life from the hard work and what I've garnered, I can easily um, spin into uh, the doubting Thomas of it all. And, um, yeah, it, I guess that's kind of what uh, haunts me still is if I wake up in the morning and that first thought is um, like, why doesn't that person like me? Um, or how come I wasn't good enough to be um, asked to that 4th of July party? Then idle mind is the devil's workshop. I need yep. to get out of that bed pretty quick. I try to start my affirmations pretty early. Um, and I got to keep that. I have to keep that in check because I can, I can go that other way and just, uh, beat myself up sometimes for things that are so miscellaneous and unnecessary. Who is your biggest influence that wasn't a comic that got you into comedy? My mentor, Frank Roberts. He was my high school drama teacher. He is the cliche uh, drama teacher from any, any fucking speech you've ever heard where somebody's like, and I want to thank my drama teacher, oh, Charlotte. Yeah. Da -da -da, who, and it's like always that same, um, sweater wearing you know glasses too small for Argyle. the home over like um but frank was the first person outside of my family and the first really the first man in my life who encouraged me to start get, being introspective and asking questions that you know my mom or dad were not asking me yet about uh the world around me and how did i perceive the world around me and how did that perception make me feel about both the world and me right 
Now, with somebody, so you lost both of your folks when you were around 30 years old. We all deal with grief differently. How did you deal with it, especially at the height of your career? That was hard, man. It was, you know, the only way I described it then till today is it, it was, it was um, impossible. It was impossible. My mom was my best friend. She passed away first um, of cancer. Um, I didn't know how to fathom it. I was riding this new wave of success that all I wanted to do was share it with her. Uh, more than anybody, you know, first fan, first believer. Um, and so it was impossible. Uh, I was so busy that I was really, the engine was revving that uh, it wasn't until a few, my, my dad passed away right after my mom. So my mom and then within the same year, both got cancer mm. and lost them both within a year. Um, it took like two or three years till I really slowed down and grief caught up to me that uh, I started, you know, great therapy and, and, uh, just, you know, the building blocks of how to release that sadness and how to let humor in even more and how critical that was for, for me. I love laughing and my family loved it, got us through a lot of jams. So when it finally hit me and that, you know, it's impossible. I just lost both my mom and dad to, you know, this fucking cancer and, uh, both too young. My dad was, you know, 70, too, but still, you know, he was golfing. He was, he was out there, man. He was, he was yeah. kicking, he was getting healthier. Um, so I thought, and then my mom was, you know, 63, 64. So when I finally, um, started doing the really hard work and, uh, and realizing kind of like what, uh, what I went through, what did all that mean? And the thing I took away the most from that whole era uh, was empathy. You know, uh, I understand. I understand that pain, that loss, that hurt, that struggle and that battle. I understand what it does to a person. I understand what it does to a family and the person that's inflicted with it. Um, so I'm very uh, gentle with people when I know they're in that experience. And it also helped me to where sometimes when life isn't um, treating me so well, I can revert back to remembering how to stay grateful and also try to be empathetic to even the people that are fucking out to knock me down some pegs because maybe they're in some pain. So I, I'm, I'm, I am in no way, shape or form, um, not a flawed individual. I'm definitely wired a little hinky, but I think I've got some great love support and I've learned some valuable lessons to help me to retain that empathy and to live my life um, as, uh, an homage to my mom and dad and what they did to get me to where I was and what they left me with, with that empathy. I love it. They're probably very proud of you. What do you think they'd be most proud of you right now? Um, I, whew, wow. That's an excellent question, Tim. Jeez. Um, <laughs> and what would they be the most proud of? Well, my dad would probably be proud that I'm playing some racquetball and getting very good. Uh, he was competitive. He was an all-around athlete. Uh, so anything my dad would be proud of today, I'm sure, would be something to do with physical prowess in competitive. You know, he was still playing basketball at 48 full court with the 20-year-olds. He'd go down and grab a game with them and just kill them. He was awesome. Um, so that would be my dad. I think. I think my mom would probably be proud of my 
I always used to say to my mom, I never want to be deriv- derivative. And I, I'd like to, even if it means I lose my career, always never be afraid to grow as a person, even if it means shedding things that I know protect me, you know, uh, monetarily protect me, uh, whatever, like being in the cool class, like whatever. I said, I hope I can always shed those things to, to become a better version of who I am, even if that means putting myself in start over places. And so I think that she'd be very proud that I've, I've stuck to that credo. I love it. I love it. Um, I think the main question you get a lot is why you're hated so much or the hate, the hatred that happened with you. It seemed out of left field. Was it more jealousy or was it more of a trend? Like how people get mad about pineapple on pizza or like the Nickelback hate Like <laughs> were, were people just hating because other people were hating. Like I, for one, like pineapple on my pizza and Dane Cook and my speakers. Like how is that mentally on you being top on top of the world, breaking records, selling out shows, just to have people shit talk you like, and you said, I, you did I, really, I really wish at that time it was, uh, most of it was, you know, people being like, man, that Dane Cook, he's like that fucking pineapple on pizza, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so, like, the first wave of it, you know, because there was a lot of years where there was none of that. It was just, I was the shiny, new, you know, self-made, you know, um, flavor of the whatever it was. You know, I had a nice long run where nobody was put off by anything. And then finally, after... Like what felt like a good eight year run from underground for about three or four years to like bell of the ball for like four or five years. Then, of course, uh, you go through the spanking machine. You know, it, it's the, you, you know, you, you know, the humbling machine of industry and just people in general. You know, uh, it's just kind of like it's the American way. Yeah. We root you to the top. Then we want to see the agony of defeat moment. And then we hope after you tumble in the avalanche that your hand comes through the fucking snow and you just, you know, (laughs) um, so it was two waves at first. I loved it. I loved it. I actually loved being kind of this polarizing figure because I felt like such a kind of milk toast kid, this introvert who really wasn't very, um, you know, I didn't feel very special. I was kind of an outcast. I did not like that. So to be uh, sort of this Darth Vader in comedy, I was like, ooh. I was like, that's kind of cool. That 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 also keeps the fans closer. And then it, it I, as, as I understood it, it kind of like, it kept you as a target that both you people wanted to protect you, but it also helped you to be kind of put out there to a, greater group of people that will then make their own decision right like oh i hate them too and then they watch you and they're like i don't know i kind of like them um then it got and then a couple of years into it maybe even further it it got nasty and it and it started hurting my family and my fans more than it was even really hurting me because i know me and i was like i don't i don't really understand where some of this is coming from beyond, beyond being like, ah, I'm young, dress well. And, you know, maybe the girls like coming to my show and, you know, that, you know, I, at, at a certain time it was like, I was like the chosen one. And so I kind of was like, you know, I get, I get why I'd be kicked a little bit, but then it just got really mean spirited. And then it was an era of the internet where it was almost like 
if people could say something truly, you know, just terrible, they would, and they could do it uh, anonymously. And then coupled with that was like the roasting era started coming to life. And when roasting comedy got really popular, it gave everybody else that's not a professional roaster and funny at it. Like, oh, I got the go ahead to be as mean as I want. But it's like, but it's like, no, you're forgetting you're not funny. You're not doing it from love because you know me. And that's what a roast really is. So that was hard. That was hard. That was like, uh, you know, having to having fans say, like, why am I getting shit? Because I like you. Right. Really hurt my heart. You know, I, I, oh, I was like, man, it just it uh, that was perplexing. I didn't really know how to deal with it. I, I guess I really still don't. Other than to say I've had enough people say things that were pretty brutal about me come back years later and almost kind of like fall on the sword and say, here's, here's why I, I came at you. And it was oftentimes for their own, you know, personal, I had even comics, like you said, like some jealousy, like comics come to me and say, I just didn't like that. You were, I was in, my career was in a rut and you're, you know, you were doing so great. I took shots at you and probably, you know, took too many shots or, you know, whatever that might be. So, um, yeah, it was, it was the one part of the whole industry that I never, uh, I never, um, quite understood because I would still be like, at the end of the day, when it was just me, I'd be like, I just want to be a good person. I just want to make people laugh. Um, and I would investigate myself sometimes and go, maybe I hurt people. Maybe I did step on toes. Maybe I was arrogant. Maybe I did things at a certain point to protect myself that pushed others away. So I had to also own up to some of my own, um, mistakes and, you know, things that probably I could have done better to communicate when, uh, I didn't have that ability. So I too had to sweep my side of the street and sometimes go to maybe other comics and say, yeah, I'm sorry. I wasn't always, um, uh, available to be able to have a heart to heart with you. So yeah, it was like, once I swept my side of the street and understood that's all I can do, be the best version of myself, try to you know be, be encouraging, try to put out good content, make people laugh. Then the rest of it, I can't really let that, uh, I can't really let that, um, dictate who I am when I, wake up that next morning and, and my first thought for the most part is what can I do to in, improve someone's life or my own today through creativity? You definitely got the brunt of it for no reason. Cause you are a good guy. You never heard you like going around beating up fans or anything like that. You know what I mean? So it's like, you definitely, you definitely didn't warrant it for like anything. Like he did nothing bad. I don't know why, but the real yeah. question is, do you like pineapple on your pizza? I do not. And oh. I just pictured be being a person who just beats up their fans. And I don't know why that's just a funny visual, a visual of like opening the backstage door and being like, why are you guys out here? I don't want you to wait. Like <laughs> if you can get away with beating up your fans physically for years, then like you deserve all the success. <laughs> that's very true. That's very true. I think the one thing that I loved about, uh... by the way, I only like cheese on pizza. I'm very plain, only cheese, nothing else. Wow. So, yeah, sorry, okay. I interrupted you, and I, I didn't mean to no, do that. No, that's that's a good fact. That's going to be on your little Wikipedia page now, with like the little one next to it, and oh, it's going to go down to my 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 oh, podcast. No. <laughs> 
the one thing I liked about the not the one thing I liked about the whole hate train was Patrice O'Neill. When he stuck up for you, I absolutely loved that. How did that feel? Yeah. Because Patrice O'Neill is an absolute legend. And for him to stick up for you, like how was that yeah. friendship and how did that feel? That was awesome, man. It was guys like Burr and Gullman and Patrice and you know, this this gang of Robert Kelly and I, I had a, a really incredible group of uh, you know, my graduating class and you know, they'd go on whatever the radio shows were at the time, Opie and Anthony and yep. places that sometimes I would get, you know, I'd also get picked on because I didn't like doing those shows because I didn't really like participating in a, a, a pile on type thing. And even though they were good at doing it in a funny way, I still felt like I was hurting people. If I approached comedy in, in that way, that's not my forte. I take that home with me. Oh, I hope I didn't say something cross the line. They were great. They crossed the line all day, every day and, and uh, accepted each other for that. But I, I, that wasn't me. So the fact that those guys would go and, say things to um to bolster the reputation that 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 they knew i was upholding and wanted to um that meant a lot especially patrice patrice and my his mom and my mom his mom georgia and my mom donna they were friends patrice i was you know took him on the road with me early in my career a lot of for whatever reason florida gigs patrice would come down with me and uh, I, I i loved that guy i loved him as a comic i loved what he brought to the world of stand-up comedy i loved what he taught me from what he learned through his stand-up comedy and uh i don't think i'd be where i am today uh talking to you in the in this kind of way or who i am on stage without patrice o'neill in my life love hearing that i absolutely love hearing it i know you don't have a lot of time with me i'm going to do some rapid questions you don't have to elaborate too long because i know you you're oh that's good. right that's right because you're the 20 minute podcast guy yeah, I'm the, you get it. No one else gets it. You get it. Um, how, how was it working on the set of Simon Says? I, I have to know. Simon Says was a uh, like a B-movie that I did. Well, it, I'd be lucky if it was actually called a B-movie now. Um, maybe a D-movie. Let's be nice. Yeah. Um, with Dennis Rodman, who at the time, Dennis Rodman was, you know, number one rebounder in the league. And so naturally, when you see the number one rebounder in the league, you think uh, actor. <laughs> so he got an action movie and they threw me in there as his co-star. There was also another very funny comedian who we lost some years ago named John Burnett, who was in that movie. Uh, and I got to spend a lot of time with John and have a lot of laughs on the set with John Panette. Um, so my experience making it with making the movie was really awesome. A great, great time. What the movie became <laughs> not so much i absolutely love it uh do you still have the black tank top or is it hanging in the rafters i have the black tank top i have all my outfits from every special i've ever done so comedy central presents i've got the vicious circle fucking bell bottom boot cut diesel jeans i've got the distressed boots upstairs i have that gray shirt might have been gap um you name it man i've, I've got I've, luckily i've still got the hair um, sorry to you. Yeah, must um, be nice. Must be nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, I got. I have all those fucking outfits from you, all those uh, specials. How come you've never had a Boston accent? L go back and listen to "Harmful of Swallowed," and you can hear it, especially when it gets late. A lot of those early sets, I'm fucking tired. You know, you'll hear it. It'll slip out. But my dad later in his career from sports went into commentary for um he called a lot of basketball a lot of hockey and he was an enunciator because he was on the radio and i think he wanted to appeal to a 
broader audience. So I, I had the Boston accent on one side, but I also had my dad who was like real adamant about it's February. <laughs> I got a little both. But if, if you catch me on a late night, man, if it's one in the morning and we're throwing back some fucking uh, cheese pizza, some, uh, some wings and some fucking tata sauce, I, it'll all come out. <laughs> I love it. Um, who's on your personal Mount Rushmore of comics and who's a comic that everyone should look out for? I didn't hear the second half because I think I got a text on my iPad. Oh, I'm sorry. Who's uh, some, Yeah, then who else? Who should we all look out for? Like an up and coming comic. On my personal, yeah. uh, Chappelle. Chappelle, from the first moment I saw him, was always on my my personal Mount Rushmore. Um, personal Mount Rushmore. Uh, Mount Rushmore. Uh, you know, I feel like Patrice. Um, you know, I feel like it, you know passing away when he did it stunted the growth which i think would have take taken him through probably a a can't he would be in a canceled period you know because he was he yeah. was not only outspoken but he was kicking the tires on things that were i'm sure in some other people's eyes were is that misogynistic is that uh you know not in vogue or whatever whatever people like to you know pin on somebody who's you know in that evolution and then, man, is, is that have to be four people? Is that what's considered it, the... It is four, but hey, it's it's your show right now, so you get to do what you want to do. Um, It's a hard one, because I just I have so many people that I... I don't know. I'm gonna get, we'll do that on the next 20 minute. Okay. Well, I'll put the other two up there next time. But as far as like people who I love watching now and on the come up, I mean, I love working with Leah Lamar. You know, she uh, she's just very gifted, you know, both as a person, as a performer leah i met on a clubhouse chat on an online chat over the pandemic and now she's been featuring for me and on the road and um so she's on there my buddy paul hughes has been doing a lot of gigs with me he's been around forever but he's a new face to a lot of people so those two i love i'll definitely check them out i ask these questions for everybody what is your personal theme song you come out on stage you probably already have it but what is your theme song personal dan cook theme song Oh boy. Um, like Dream on Aerosmith. Oh, okay. Yep. And you know what? And my friend Marty Kulner directed that video at the, at the, at now, uh, the box center at the Wang. Uh, they shot that video. Marty Kulner directed it. Marty Kulner directed Fish Circle. Marty Kulner directed Isolated Incident. And I just dropped today, uh, on a TikTok that Marty Kulner directed my new special. I'm getting so many fun facts today, and this is great. You're getting, that's pretty much breaking news. Uh, I don't think I've mentioned that on, I, oh wait, I told Logan Paul, I did Logan Paul's podcast last week. And so that's it. Marty Kalner is uh, legendary uh, back and uh, that song from Aerosmith and the meaning of it. And um, yeah, that would be it. Logan Paul, Tim McCarthy, same thing. Two more questions. One, what are some words of wisdom you give to somebody that's feeling down and out? Somebody who's feeling down and out. I like to tell people when you feel like you're at a rock bottom moment, don't be so fast to try to resurface. Take, take a minute, look around, acknowledge it, feel what you're feeling. Um, there's a lot of data in failure. And if you're willing to spend a minute investigating it, you would be, uh, you'll, you'll be blown away at how that the analytics and the data that you witness in that moment of 
being at the, the rock bottom, when you resurface, you, you, you'll come up with gems. What are three things that you're grateful for today? Well, my girlfriend, Kelsey Taylor, changed my life. Uh, everything that was kind of like this floating, like she brought it here, you know? Um, three things. Well, man, it's like. Uh, I want three. I just don't want two on this one. I want curiosity. I, lo I love that I stay. I'm, I'm 50 and I'm as curious as ever. Um, and so I love that. I still retain that curiosity. Um, you know, even talking to you, I was curious from the first moment you hit me up and you know, it, it isn't about, for me, it's never about, uh, what's hot, what's not, what, who's on top, who's not as a person who's had ebbs and flows. That's not interesting. What's interesting is passion, you know? So I'm curious about people that are passionate. And then the third thing, wait, ask me the question again. Cause I want the third one to be kind of, uh, maybe ironic. What do you, what is it again? What are some words? I mean, uh, yeah. Three things that you're grateful for today. It's like, I'm grateful that I stay curious and, and I'm, and I'm fascinated. And well, quite simply that I'm healthy. You know, I, I like to stay as healthy as I can. Um, I put on some weight a few years ago for a movie called American exit. And it was the first time in my life that I couldn't just lose the weight after. Cause I'm getting older. Mm -hmm. I used to be able to just like drop that. And, um, it was hard. It was like, Oh man, shit. That's what, you know, getting older is sometimes, you know, the knees or, you know, the gut. Um, but the fact that I could, uh, get into the pool, start swimming and I can move around. I play racquetball. I, I love it. I appreciate that. I'm, I'm very, very appreciative that I'm healthy. And if I'm being very honest with you, and that's the whole goal here, it's like when I saw my parents get sick, I started taking better care of myself. Cause I said, if I ever have to fight that fight, I'm going to be fucking more ready than you would ever imagine to fight that fight. And God, I hope to God, I never do. I, I, I I don't want to, but if I have to, or um, that strikes me in any way, I want to be physically ready. So I'm very grateful that I'm healthy now. You give me goose pimples over here, my friend. Goose pimples or goose bumps? Goose Who pimples. Says goose pimples? I say goose pimples. You know, I don't like that. I had I had childhood acne. I don't even want to hear the word pimples. <laughs> or bumps. What's uh, What's next for Dane Cook? My new special. So uh, Marty Colner directed it, uh, shot it out here in L.A. It took a couple of years to make because of the pandemic. Um, I'm 31 years uh, into my stand-up career, so it was a victory. I wanted to do it in year 30, but year 31 because of the, the pause of the pandemic. I want to make people laugh. I want to be even more global with my stand-up. So when we roll this out, whether it's going to be on a streamer or I end up doing it, uh, because I financed it myself and I brought it with Marty. I said, I want to own it. I want to own the IP. I, I don't want to, I don't want someone else to fund it and then own a piece of it. So uh, the rollout, now that people are starting to see it and dig it, um, it's going to be fun because I really want to take it uh, beyond where I've probably taken any other of my specials before. It's got to be funny first, but then I hope to permeate some places and, Hopefully I'll, I'll ride the wave with it to some, you know, places unknown that uh, I can stay curious and explore and investigate. And that only helps um, 
the storytelling from observing and reporting beyond where I've already been. Um, and it'll all end up back on stage, man. It always does. Can't wait to see it. Dane Cook, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. This has been a lot of fun. My 17-year-old self already shit himself. Thank you again, sir. Tim, thank you for uh, your tenacity. Thank you for what you're doing. I, I love this. And I think that when, especially when men can chat with other men and uh, be introspective, I think you're doing uh, God's work and I appreciate you. And I, I hope we get another 20 minutes at some point. Yeah, definitely. So that's another episode of 20 Tim Minutes. Let's break the stigma by cracking a smile. Thank you. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. If you are feeling suicidal, please dial 911.